Hello, everyone. I am Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits. And I look, Plant Profits is brought to you by Produce Global. And I'm glad that, and happy, uh, very happy that you all decided to join us here uh, today. My next guest has deep experience and successfully building out teams and building out infrastructure and complex businesses and has extensive merger and acquisition experience from his prior roles, uh, venturing into the cannabis industry now. And um, I'd like uh, all of you to welcome my guest today, Mr. Mark Sims. He is the president and CEO of Riv Capital. Riv Capital uh, is an ongoing and exciting concern and I want to welcome Mark uh, to our show today. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Vern. Oh, man, my pleasure. I'm excited that you're here. There's so much to talk about, you know, and uh, really, I love to understand and, 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 and really allow the audience to hear about the journey, right? You know, you didn't just pop up on the screen and you were... <laughs> You know, you you have a background, and you have uh, you have a lot of a uh, lot of layers to to get to you to where you are today. And I, I'd love to kind of know where did you grow up, man? Because you you've had an extensive background. Yeah, no, it is. It, you know, when, when I was uh, an industrial engineering student, I never thought I'd uh, you know be the CEO of a cannabis company. So yeah, I, I yeah, saw that. I mean, you're a Michigan, definitely an interesting journey. Yeah, Michigan um, graduate. Uh, industrial engineer. Now, I I have an industrial engineering background too. Yeah, and I I never thought I'd be doing whatever I'm doing. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So I think it's uh, yeah. I think it's it's definitely an interesting journey that that I've taken. So really, um, you know, I joined Scott's Miracle Grow f- uh, 14 years ago. Yeah, 15 years ago, whatever it might be. Um, and, and so obviously, you know, had a lot of varied roles at Scott's Miracle Grow. Um, my very last role, yeah, um, which was uh, head of strategy in M&A, where I kind of worked for the, the previous three years, okay. um, you know, Scott's had already entered the cannabis industry as an- On the hydroponic side? Yeah. Right. So so back in 2015, uh, they acquired uh, General Hydroponics and Vermicrop and then Ver- Botanicare and then Sunlight Supply. So they mm-hmm. they built the the Hawthorne Gardening Company, the, a business unit focused on um, you know selling input supplies into the cannabis industry. Okay. Um, and so obviously you know that that business was uh, you know somewhat turbulent, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. the two thousand you know went off well. Then the two thousand eighteen legalization effort in California kind of was a, a big turbulent event. Um, the pandemic was really successful. And then in this past year, they've seen uh, a lot of challenges, but, but obviously, you know, really kind of uh, highly aligned with Scott's as it related to, you know, they were selling fertilizer, they were selling dirt, they were mm-hmm. selling, um, you know, control products. Um, so very similar to what they sold to uh, consumers for their homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so high alignment there. Um, the, the one thing that, you know, they then expanded in lights, et cetera, but as we looked at the industry, um, you know, from a strategy perspective and said, OK, well, selling input supplies uh, is is good and that's a good business. But when you look at any kind of crop based industry, 
mm-hmm. it's really the people that own the brands and you know sell at retail are the ones that make all the margin dollars. Oh yeah. So the people that you know sell the genetics, a lot of times they make a high margin rate, but not a lot of margin dollars. Okay. And then you know, unfortunately, the input suppliers, the farmers, and the processors, a lot of times are not making a ton of money, right? And they're almost you know kind of trying to break even. And, and so, as we looked at that, and obviously Scotts and Miracle Grow being a a consumer brand company, um, really Scotts saw that as an offensive offensive. Uh, you know, move to, you know, move up the value chain from just kind of being an input supplier into a branded uh, cannabis company. Uh, so, you know, that was probably three years ago that, you know, a, as I was leading strategy, we said that that would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, Scott's is a publicly traded, um, you know, company that on the NYSE that has borrows lots of money from banks. So yeah. being able to actually do it was the challenging part. Um, and so, you know, we found in a partner, uh, Riv Capital, mm-hmm. um, who at the time, you know, in the last two years was looking to disentangle itself from uh, Canopy Growth um, okay. because it was a spinoff of Canopy Growth. It was their venture capital arm mm-hmm. um, and then also pivot into the U.S. So there was kind of high alignment on the strategy between Riv and, and Scott's. And so uh, about a year ago, um, Scott's made a, a, an investment in in Riv Capital in the form of a convertible note. Uh, but really, that's just a structure. Uh, really, mm-hmm. it's an investment in in every way, shape, or form from, from the Scott's perspective. Okay. Uh, and I joined the board, right? Okay. And so so uh, immediately, you went to the board? Yeah, so I went to the uh-huh. board. And uh-huh. then as we actually executed on the strategy to pivot into the U.S. and then purchased uh, – you know, the attain business in New York, right. uh, they asked me to move over to run it. So okay. again, from kind of helping to define the strategy at Scott's and then mm-hmm. helping from a board perspective to execute the strategy at RIV. And then, you know, now saying, okay, great. You, <laughs> you, you built the strategy. Now you got to go execute it. Right. So yeah. I think that's, that's kind of a very long version of the journey. Uh, no, really it's, it's all about kind of understanding you know, kind of where the value in this industry is. Uh, and again, there is value to be had at each of the nodes, but mm-hmm. like most other industries, you know, owning the brands and, and um, you know, maximizing the value of a, of a brand and, and what that can mean to a consumer is, is really where the value is going to accrue. And in this consumer goods, you know, category, just like it, it, it accrues in, in most consumer goods. Categories. Uh, absolutely. It's brands is, how are you going to get those multiples, man? It's building brands. And and quite frankly, it's been a challenge, um, you know, uh, in, in, in the space. And how do you see the time that you spent 15 years at, at Scott's, right? How did it prepare you for this part of your professional journey? Well, I'd say there's a lot of ways it prepared me and a lot of ways it probably didn't, although I don't know there's <laughs> much preparation, right? So so I think right. on, the, on the where it didn't, I think just the um, the interesting aspect of the cannabis industry is just the speed by which uh, things move, right? Yeah. Which I'm sure you're, you're highly familiar with. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, you know, the speed and kind of the urgency and need to execute because you want to capitalize on opportunities. I think the other thing that I've seen is the yeah. deal flow. So when yeah. I was kind of in my old role, 
you know, on the on the consumer lawn and garden side, you might see a right. deal, one or two deals a year. On the Hawthorne <laughs> side, you know, one or two deals a month. Here yeah. it's like one or two deals a day. Yeah, it's something's and, uh, out there you could you right? could look at. It. Yeah. But but you know, so that's kind of where you know that's exciting, but it but it also can be a distraction. So you need to make sure you manage, you know, kind of what opportunities you're looking at and have the right filters in place. I think where it prepared me is again, you know, at the end of the day, this is a consumer product yes. that needs to be manufactured, processed, put in a package, put on a pallet, shipped to a um, you know, shipped to a retail store, and then you need to, you know incent consumers and, and kind of um, you need to communicate with consumers in a way that they're going to go out of their way to find your product and, and right. buy it off the shelf, right? And part with their hard-earned dollars. So again, yeah. you know, that was what, you know, we had to do, you know, in my previous roles every day is understand kind of what are all the aspects of the supply chain and are you, you know, set up to, you know, service the retailer well, and then are you communicating effectively with the consumer mm -hmm. um, and are you you know delivering a product that they're going to want to continue to try and, and buy time and again right so there's that you know the heart of a brand is a promise uh and, and you know you have to deliver on that promise each and every time yeah yeah do you um do, do you feel that um uh your the the last three years at at uh uh, that that you spent in the M and A business, right? And and looking at those couple deals a year, and and then this, did you have a thought prior to Hawthorne and that involvement that you would get into cannabis? No, because prior, prior it's to... a CPG company. I mean, it's yeah. it's all CPG. Everything you just explained was that. Did you did you view this as as uh, this huge opportunity? I think all the way back to 2011, Scotts was talking about okay. getting into it, but again, it was more from an input supply perspective, right? right. So I think I think really it was uh, definitely a journey <laughs> that the company went on, that the board went on. Yeah. Uh, to, to really realize, you know, this is a great opportunity, um, you know, in a lot of lessons learned that we had from the Hawthorne business of just mm -hmm. meeting the players in the industry, really smart folks that, you know, don't have Stanford MBAs, but talk as if they have Stanford MBAs. Sure. They've, they've just been living business for, you know, uh, decades in, in a tough industry. Um, yeah. and so I think that was, uh, you know, definitely a journey and probably one that people didn't predict back in 2011 or even 2015 that we'd be um, kind of sitting here trying to build this, uh, you know, branded cannabis company. Mark, so you've made this journey. Here you are sitting, straddling right here, riding this horse. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's, you know, in my business, in the talent business, man, I, there, there's a lot of consumer product goods talent that want to get into cannabis. And cannabis has also been around long enough, man, that people have been in it and tried it and decided they don't want to do it. You know, three years ago, it'd be hard to say that, but now people have been in, there's people with four years of of, of uh, functional expertise in the cannabis uh, arena. What, what advice would you give someone who's looking over the fence and thinking about jumping over and getting into this rat race you call cannabis? Yeah, no, I, I think it would be, um, 
you know, I, I would encourage people to uh, to do it if they have a passion for the industry and a passion mm-hmm. for the product. Um, but also, I think eyes wide open would be that, you know, it, it can be pretty frenetic at times uh, with respect to kind of the speed with which you need to move, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of the challenges and maybe executing a lot of the plays that maybe you did in your current industry. So you say you're selling, especially if it's a non-regulated industry, Yeah, uh, that's tough. you know, there's a lot of regulations and they vary state by state. So right. maybe you have great packaging ideas and design ideas and you have great advertising ideas. You're just simply not able to do and execute some of those things because of the, the regulations that exist. So I think, you yeah. know, really understanding whatever company you would, you know, go to work for kind of where are they operating and understanding like, you know, am I going to be able to do the things I love to do, whether it's marketing, mm-hmm. whether it's, uh, you know, sales, uh, am I going to be able to do those things? Mm-hmm. Um, I think on the cultivation front, I think, you know, the advice would be find someone who's been both operating a, a, a garden uh, mm-hmm. and doing it at scale and, and say, hey, what job can I do? Can I sweep the floors? Um, can I can I work, you know, enter at the lowest level and just want to learn? Because I mm-hmm. think it's if you've been, you know, growing other crops, this is not as simple as just kind of, uh, you know, transitioning into this. And I think lots of folks have lost a lot of money and, and time thinking that this is just like growing tomatoes. Yeah. It's it's a lot more complicated and involved than that, and you're 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 so right. So you talked about cultivating, how to get in, and and you're saying look in, and and go learn, because it's different. What about what about marketing, brand building? Tell me tell me your take on that, and and what's needed in the space. And yeah, what I mean, do we I, don't I, have. You know, there, there's a there's a couple things. You know somewhat, you know, at the heart of our strategy at, at Riv Capital and what we're looking to do in New York is obviously we have, um, you know, the Etain uh, brand that we acquired as part of our New York acquisition. Yeah. Uh, we have the uh, the vertical license. Uh, but really, we think, uh, you know, looking to competitive markets where there's been people competing and winning uh, mm-hmm. over the last decade in California and Colorado, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of really interesting brands that, you know, we're having discussions with of mm-hmm. you know, how can we take that legacy authentic brand? Uh, like I said, that has competed in one and, you know, especially in California, the most competitive market, uh, the largest, the most sophisticated cannabis consumers there, presumably. Right. Um, so if you've kind of competed in one there, uh, so I think that is really interesting from the standpoint of, um, you know, bring some of those brands uh, that are authentic, have shown the ability to scale, mm-hmm. um, have the know-how, have the genetics and or the branding or the, you know, the the consumer following. I think that's a really good piece. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that, right, that mm-hmm. was kind of the heart of your question. I think part of it is, you know, again, understanding what, you know, what are you trying to do with the brand? Like, what is the story behind the brand? And, and, you know, some of these, I'll call them, you know, newer brands, maybe they're two or three years old, and maybe it's new form factors like beverages or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, edibles and things like that. I think a lot of it is around the story. And again, if I think about the Tame brand that we acquired in New York, yeah. woman-founded, woman-led, mm-hmm. uh, you know, really a great story that they want to kind of focus on buy weed from women. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we really love that brand. And, and so I think having that kind of 
that authenticity in the story, whatever it might be as to like, what does the brand stand for? Mm -hmm. That's the key place to start and then create a great product. Yeah. Uh, it's the next piece. And then obviously you need to win with consumers, which is, is the hard part. Yeah. I mean, you make it sound so simple, Mark. <laughs> you do it, but but it's it's it, and to your point you come out of cpg so it's blocking and tackling it's basic things when you think about it but they're very difficult to execute you got to give that yes you know it's it's very difficult and and i i think part of it is that you know people take shortcuts and they don't um and the resources i mean it takes a lot of money I mean, when you're spending money and building brands, the closer you are to to where the consumer, you know, uh, see it and purchase it is is expensive, but it's the, probably the best money you can spend, right? And uh, that that becomes uh, very difficult for people who have these brand ideas. Uh, they don't have finishing power, um, and that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing people yeah. come up short. Yeah. Well, and I think I think there's also a challenge, you know, there, there's some supply chain challenges, right? And, and this yeah. may sound like real uh, kind of wonky, but, you know, it's not only you say you are able to create a brand that resonates with the consumers, the retailers want to stock it, um, but then you have to make sure that you can consistently supply that retailer, yes. right? So, so that then gets into the operational aspects of, I can't say, well, I've got product this month, but I'm not going to have, you know, product for three more months because I didn't judge my, you know, demand correctly. Right. And so I think a lot of these retailers, they can't have empty shelves. So part of that promise is not only with the consumer, but it's with the mm -hmm. retailer to make sure that I can be a reliable supplier of this product um, so that that then again builds the trust, not only with the consumer that I can go in and every every time I want to buy it, I can get it. Um, but also with the retailer so that they're not constantly having to figure out what do I do with this empty shelf? Yeah, no, uh, you're right. You got to be consistent. It's got to, to your point, you made the point a few minutes ago is at the heart of a brand is the promise. And, and everybody plays a role in executing that promise with the consumer. Um, I, I'm really I just, let, let's, let's talk about Riv. Sure. And let's 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 really dive into to what you guys are all about, because, you know, on the outset, you know, you start to it looks like, OK, you're they're going to put money into they're going to make investments like um, like any other private equity or or similar type setup. But uh, the more I talk to you and the more I look at your business, it looks like you're you're really trying to become operators. So 100 yeah, percent. Okay, yeah, so, so tell me about Riv. Yeah, yeah. So that was as you as you mentioned, kind of you know, mm -hmm. Riv Capital, which previously was Canopy Rivers, was the venture right. capital arm of Canopy Growth. Uh, they made um, you know venture investments into ancillary uh, you know cannabis companies and or LPs in Canada. Okay, uh, so everything was kind of you know focused in um, you know not the U.S. if you will, or not mm -hmm. plant touching in the U.S. Um, you know, 18 months ago, or, or maybe a little longer, they made the decision that they wanted to uh, pivot into the U.S. because that was going to be the the most exciting market and where kind of the best opportunities are. 
Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, they took steps to to do that, and then um, Scotts made their investment, um, and so we were able to acquire the uh, the New York license uh, and the attained business. And so really, that was kind of the first foray of pivoting to become an operator. And so really, since right. uh, you know the the April timeframe. Um, we've been, you know, working on kind of the integration as well as the, uh, you know, the execution of, of, you know, building out New York, obviously, you know, still medical, they haven't had first adult use sale, but that, uh, will, will happen here in the near future. Um, so we continue to support the medical market, but we've also made, uh, some moves to start to ramp up for, um, for the adult use. We, we've, uh, we're expanding our, um, our initial uh, campus in Chestertown, New York, which is just north of Albany. Okay. Uh, so that'll give us increased capacity. And mm-hmm. then we announced uh, about a month ago what we call our flagship facility that we're going to build in Buffalo, New York, that will be okay. 68,000 square foot um, indoor facility, uh, state-of-the-art, and uh, again, all being done in anticipation of you know bringing premium flour to New York, but also okay. bringing at that enough capacity or enough volume that we can satisfy, um, you know, kind of the initial demand. And then uh-huh. that that's our phase one. And if everything, uh, you know, rolls out properly, we'll, we'll have a phase two and a phase three as we ramp with the, uh, the business in New York. So we're super excited about New York. Wow. Uh, you're, you're investing, you're, you're putting the stake down in New York. That's yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's hard to argue that it's not going to be the most exciting cannabis market in the next two to three years, right? Just as yeah. it launches it launches the adult use, uh, obviously the the outsized cultural influence that New York City has, um, yeah. you know, the legacy cannabis, uh, you know, kind of culture in New York, mm-hmm. I think tapping into that, um, I think all those things are going to line up really well to be a super exciting time in the industry and uh, for New Yorkers. Well, it's great. It's great for New York that you're putting money into it and that you're banking on, on uh, that market to be exciting for years to come. I think that is, I, I think that's outstanding. That's, that's awesome. I think it's a good place too. I think it's a good bet. I really do. Thank you so much. I'm Vern Davis. I am your host. I'm your host of plant profits and plant profits is brought to you by produce global very excited today we have mr mark sims president and ceo of riv capital with us today and you can actually listen to this on cannabisradio.com you can find plant profits give us five star ratings wherever you find us apple spotify iheart amazon music wherever you find your podcast look for plant profits and look for this particular show uh, it's a tremendous Mr. Mark Sims, President and CEO of Riv Capital. Want to thank him for being here and part of our guest uh, list here. Follow up uh, Protus Global, my company, on social media and all those platforms LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. Finally, learn more about how we're changing people's lives, how we're building companies. And that's protusglobal.com, P-R-O-T-I-S, global.com. And until next week, cheers.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.